What's up, everybody? Alex Xero from Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590 The Fan. You're listening to Alfredo, Chris, and Dave on the Benfica Podcast. Calma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão para a explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser do Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser do Benfica. Mas de facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. Até à morte. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Dog Benfica podcast. My name is Alfredo Fumasas. Episode number 372 is what we're serving up tonight with uh, me tonight, as always, Cristiano Oliveira. Como é que é, amigo? Tudo bem? Como é que é, pá? Tudo rijo. Glad to be back on a podcast once again, and uh, obviously happier times this time around. Yeah. Also, uh, the other Oliveira, Dave the Oliveira, up in uh, the Great White North, past the wall, uh, but uh, safe from the White Walkers. Dave, what's happening? I guess we would be the White Walker. Well... Technically, we would be the White Walkers, but you guys, uh, the way COVID's going down there, you guys might be the, the White Walkers. But uh, good to be back on. Um, I guess, yeah, Cristiano said it was uh, happier, better times, I, I guess, if we want to call it that based on today's result. But uh, yeah, a win is a, is a win, but uh, good to be back on here. Touche, my friend. I like that uh, with the COVID, the COVID joke. I like that. It's appropriate and it's fitting. <laughs> Um, also uh, with us tonight, a, a special guest, the first time on the podcast. Uh, his name is João Guilherme. He is a Benfiquista living in Porto, and he joins us tonight as we record this at 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. So he's plus five. So it's about... Uh... Three in the morning here in Porto. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I'm uh, staying up late for this. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for, for, for joining us. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Right. So on uh, tonight's podcast, we will uh, look uh, back at the Famalicão game. Benfica tied that game. We'll also look at today's game against Guimarães at an empty Stadio Luz, in which Benfica had a more fortunate uh, outcome to this game with a two nothing win. Uh, so let's um, before we get started, let's uh, let let's talk to João a little bit. João, uh, being a Benfiquista living in Porto, it certainly isn't easy. And tomorrow is perhaps a day that. Every Benfiquista yeah. dreads, but dreads, yes. most the the, the Benfiquistas that live in in that the northern area. Um, yes, it, it's not it's not easy. Um, like I said, when we were talking a little bit before uh, going live, um, not only did I grow up in Porto, I grew up in Porto when Porto was in its full capacity. So <laughs> Benfica was not winning; Porto was winning a lot. They won. European titles, they won titles here in Portugal, so um, it was tough. Um, and um, but for me, like I said um, before, uh, it made me appreciate Benfica a bit more. But I gotta say, uh, tomorrow is gonna be a very bad day. Um, tomorrow or, or next week, it doesn't matter. They are going to be champions. Uh, it's just a matter of time. And I gotta say, I grew up, like I said watching a Porto being uh, a full a full force here in Portugal but the, the the championship that bugged me the most that annoyed me the most was the the first championship they won with Conceição because I felt that th that party here I, I never seen a bigger party here 
um, we were coming from four titles. Um, they, they bro broke down our, our cycle. They, they stopped our Penta, which was for them way more important stopping our Penta than winning the championship itself. So the, the party was obviously a little bit um, enthusiast. And tomorrow is going to be again another uh, and tomorrow or next week is going to be another big party and it's not going to be a, a good day for any Benfica living here in Porto or living here in the north. It's not it's certainly not easy and it doesn't get easier. Uh, uh, on the contrary, it gets pretty harder because in the beginning of the century um, that we had an excuse because we didn't have a team to compete. Now we have a better team. We have more money. We have better infrastructures and we are still losing championships to them so it really bugs us and annoys us um, more right now yeah absolutely alfredo normally you and i talk and we're envious of people living in portugal but right now it's not an enviable position <laughs> no even in Porto. i'd rather i'd rather be there with you guys yeah uh, living this from distance than living this in the in the epicenter of the of the party <laughs> so so João, let me ask you this how, how did you uh, become a benfica fan was it was it family you were you just yeah family yeah family uh, it was because of an uncle and um, um my my old family on my father's side is 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 part is basically from all from porto i i am the black sheep of the family <laughs> from that side <laughs> uh, but from my mother's side i have an uncle and and uh, i grew up watching and watching benfica hearing about benfica and it, it was it was meant to be it was just love at first sight as they say uh, i can't imagine myself being fan of any other club yeah um, that's like they uh what they say you don't you don't you can pick your friends but you can't pick your club yeah you can pick everything friends girlfriend everything but the club you, you just don't pick and you just don't change <laughs> yeah. club and family yes um so anyway thanks thanks again for for joining us let's uh let's no, get into thank these you recaps. For the invite. Okay. Let's let's get into these recaps. So we'll, we'll uh, go into uh, Famalicão first. I'll give you the the lineup, and we'll get into it. Flaco Dimos was in goal. Almeida right back. Diaz and Jardel the center back pairing. Tavares was on the left. Uh, mm -hmm. Julian Weigel and Gabriel in the middle. Pizzi on the right. Servi on the left. Chiquinho behind. Uh, Seferovic. Uh, Cristiano surprised that uh, Seferovic uh, was uh, now repeating his start when he really hasn't been the choice. Uh, and it seems that uh, there's been a lot of alternating between uh, the the guys that uh, that play up front, uh, perhaps playing with the with the hot hand. Seferovic got the got the start in this game. Were you surprised to have seen him? Yeah, I think we talked about it on the last podcast where I mentioned. I believe you had asked me regarding uh, the starting lineups. What what, what I, my thoughts were on who uh, Verissimo would choose as as his starters up front, and I thought. You know, he would have gone to, 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 you know, to the all-reliable, the guy leading the league in goals with 17 at the time, which was Vinicius. Um, I figured he'd go back to the well and, and use up those, those, those horses. And unfortunately, or fortunately for, for Sferovic, I should say, he got the nod. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to do much with the opportunities. He did have a couple opportunities, wasn't able to put them in the back of the net. But nonetheless, yeah, I think, you know, to answer your question more directly, I was, I was a bit taken aback. But, you know, it is what it is, man. With these coaches coming in with so very few games, to go they're going to try any and every little thing to get this team turned around because as we've seen it's been a very very difficult time for Benfica to get anything constructive or or anything you know with, with, with consistency over the time here in these last few games. Sean do you think that uh, all our forwards are very much uh, alike they have similar characteristics characteristics or do you think they each bring their own style? 
No, I, I think they, they each bring their own style, even though I can understand why people would assume they have similar characteristics. I think that uh, this is not a very popular opinion, but I, I've said this because I, I've liked him ever since he came. I think that Seferovic, even though he annoys us with the amount of goals that he misses, <laughs> um, I think he's a unique player among our, our forwards. I think that he, he, can, he has an ability to, to, to process and to think the game that unfortunately his feet can match. And I think that especially it depends on, on confidence because when he's confident, you can see the best in him. You can see those. Uh, for I, I remember, for instance, last year, he would um, back down in the field. He would um, um, distribute the ball. He would conduct uh, some attacks, you know. And you, you just don't see Diego and Vinicius doing that. They are more... Diego is, is a, an area man, you know. He's just like the... The man to to win win headers. He like he has a very um, good. He's very good um, with his head, you know. And he really impressed me, even from his Braga days, with his uh, heading abilities. Vinicius is like um, more explosive player. Seferovic does not have his 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 speed. He has his strength, but he doesn't have his speed. Um, so yeah, I, I think that they are not exactly the same each each one of them brings a different characteristic which in theory would be good uh, but for some reason it didn't actually work out this season and and that, that, that's a shame yeah dave i think that's a fair assessment right and i think that uh, and i speak for, for from what i've seen seferovic and, and and joan brings up a great point uh he thinks the game but is Sometimes his head is are much faster than than his feet, and then maybe that's why he misses so much. But that's a fair assessment because I think that overall he's a guy that works extremely hard to get into spaces, to defend the ball, uh, to break up that first phase of construction. Uh, and there, no wonder you got a jersey of his. Yeah, I was going to say you're preaching to the the choir here. Uh, we can bring uh, Juan on every uh, week if uh, he's just going to come and praise uh, my boy uh, Seferovic. But I love him. I love Seferovic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, he's he does play with two left feet at uh, times, and uh, but well, you yeah, should say he plays like, with two right feet because his left is yes, actually yes. <laughs> yeah, two right feet. Sorry, uh, but. Uh, yeah, he, he 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 thinks the the game well, but uh, unfortunately for him, he just he can't put it all together at the the crucial moments that uh, we need him to. But it could be a confidence thing um, with Zafedovic right now, and, and I'm sure um, him not getting the the proper rhythm uh, playing with the squad, uh, come, always being swapped out uh, with uh, Vinicius at this point of the season, it would be hard for any uh, striker to get that uh, rhythm. But uh, like I said, we. Uh, João, anytime you want to come on now and praise uh, Seferovic, uh, send me your email and I'll send you the invite to the uh, podcast. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. I actually, not, 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 not to disagree, but I, I actually bundle all three of those guys together. I think all three guys, even though they have their individual strengths and different strengths, I, I, I bundle them all up because I think that neither of the three could play 
outside the box. To me, they're, you know, they're the type of guys, if you guys remember Cardozo in his heyday in Benfica, he's the type of guy that was a brilliant goal scorer, a guy that, you know, had a f- phenomenal shot, free kicks, he was phenomenal. The guy, he was just a natural goal scorer. But a lot of times when we'd be countering and the ball got to them, you might as well run backwards because they, was, they were going to fumble that pass. And we see a lot of that with Fedovic. We see that with, with, with Diego Souza. We definitely see that with Vinicius. So even though, as you guys stated incorrectly, that they're different, uh, to me, the, the, just the fact that they can't play outside the box, I bundled them all. We need a player with the characteristics. And again, obviously, you're not going to get a Jonas. You're not going to get a Juan Felix every day. I mean, those are phenomenal players. But we need players with those same characteristics, guys that could develop a play and guys that could finish a play. And that's why Sferovic last year, maybe confidence-wise, worked so well because he knew he could play off of a Juan Felix. And even with a Jonas, when Jonas was healthy for the very few times, you could play off a guy one, two. And now guys like Juan Felix and Jonas, like I mentioned before, those guys attract so much attention from the defenders because they could do it all with the ball that it frees up the, the, the Sferovic's in the world. And look, Sferovic one-on-one, most of the times he's going to eat you alive because of his physique, because of the, his power, because of his of his speed. But it's the creating aspect of games. And when Benfica's playing in a 4-3-3 or Benfica's even playing with this, you know, 4-4-2 where Sferovic, Vinicius, or Diego Souza by themselves are standing up top by themselves with no one to play off, that's when they struggle. And you see, Benfica does not does not create enough opportunities. And then the few opportunities that they get because of lack of confidence, you'll see them shanking opportunities that otherwise they wouldn't have missed. And like last year, Sferovic hit for 30. This year, Sferovic's getting those same exact opportunities. It's not putting them up. Why? Because of confidence. I think a lot of that has to do with, so again, not to say you guys are wrong, I disagree in terms of all being different, just because that outside the box, they're, they're useless, in my opinion. You know, that's just the way I read the game. It's the way I look at those guys. Yeah, um, so, go ahead, Jerome. Uh, no, I, I was going to say that if you put it that way, in what they do with, without, um, with, they, with them not leaving um, the box, they could be put in the same box. Uh, I said box twice, but I, I think you would understand. But um, even playing inside the box, they all, they all have their own unique set of skills. I'm not saying that they are a good set of skills, but they have different things that they add, they add up. And... Of course, that you can put both of them uh, playing in a four-four-two because then I agree with you. They are going to be stepping onto the same places. They are going to be um, not 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 being efficient and not being um, um, productive to the team. But if you put them with a facilitator like Jonas or Felix, um, it gives them the space they need. It gives them the opportunities they need, but it also gives them the opportunity to to back up in the field a little bit because you see that with Seferovic last season when Felix sometimes appears in the inside the box you you would see Seferovic um uh, ret- uh, returning or backing a little bit up to 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 be the the player that that plays in that position for a little bit then they would adjust again but that you saw uh, countless times last year that Seferovic with the right confidence and with the right player uh, alongside him could play and could um, distribute the game outside the box as well um, I don't know why it doesn't happen this year. Maybe confidence is um, maybe it's just one very good year. Um, I don't know, but but I I, I agree with Dave that that Seferovic has a little bit more. Um, I, I think that he's not top of the world, but he's not as bad as this season is uh, making him out to be, in my opinion. 
Yeah, for sure. So uh, just to just to get back in, into uh, the game a little bit, it's a good 15 minutes uh, uh, by uh, by Benfica pressing high, controlling the game. Uh, Famalicão is able to halfway through the half is able to even the game out and kind of uh, play eye to eye with uh, Benfica. Uh, but I thought that uh, that Benfica would score in the late goal in the 37th minute. The late goal in the first half uh, ended up uh, the half on top. And, and look. When you create chances and you put them away, you have a way of, of making the game a lot easier. So I think that uh, after what we've been seeing from Benfica these past 15, 16 games, having scored that goal uh, and now going into the locker room with a chance to, to clear your head and to really settle down and, and to play a different second half was probably ideal. But as we've seen uh, so far uh, this year with Cristiano, every time this team goes into the locker room, it seems that something happens in a, in a locker room. Uh, it seems that there's a, there's a lack of focus. There's a, there's a turning off. And um, I don't know really what happens there, but the, the second half was, uh, uh, was, was changed. They came out good. Then Fomalicão makes the changes that we have seen so many of the coaches make throughout that first half. And after Fomalicão makes those changes, right off the bat, you're on your back foot and now you're defending. And you kind of see, it's like watching a train wreck in slow motion. You kind of see where this is headed and the goal at the end of the game by Fomalicão doesn't surprise me much. Bro, this has been a running problem with Benfica, Alfredo, if you recall, I used to holler and scream here on the podcast, going all the way back to Rui Vitoria days. It's especially when he started to struggle down the latter part of his of his of his stay at Benfica. And, and if you guys recall, my famous lines are that Alfredo and I, we don't have any coaching badges, right? And when we sit at home from the United States of America watching a game on TV and we're able to identify problems where areas of the field that need to be touched up a little bit or, you know, other areas and changes that need to be, to, to be made. And yet these coaches with video, right, and, and all these analysts working for the club, they can't identify these problems. We don't understand why. And it always seemed that the coaches on, you know, especially in the, we're not talking about Champions League or even Europa League, right? We're talking about in, in, in the, you know, the measly Portuguese league, like Liga Nos, with, with, with my saying all the time, it's always Cavalos against Burros and the Cavalos always going to win the race, right? And these coaches with the, with, the, with the group of Burros, they're able to make changes at halftime and come out in the second half and totally dominate us. I just never understood that. And this is a running problem that persists that till, till today, Alfredo. I just don't understand why. Um, why that happens. I don't know if it's a confidence thing. I don't, I mean, with the exception of the one time that Brune Lage went into the locker room and announced to everybody they was going to have a kid, right? <laughs> Aside from that, it seems as if Benfica struggles in the second half and the other teams with lesser players, lesser quality are able to come out and, and make a change and make a push. And, and even like in this game, for example, coming up with the late, equal, uh, with the late equalizer and it just, you know, boggles my mind. But at this time, at this point, it is, it's like you said after the game, right? Okay. It is what it is. This team, and, uh, you know, we just want to end the season respectable um, and then obviously pick things up next year. There's still a very important game to win at the Taça de Portugal. But, yeah, things are right now. They're not good. They're not good. The only good thing about this game, the only – I shouldn't say the only good thing, but the only good thing was, in a way, about the tie was the fact that the Putu that, that was made at Benfica, who'd been, you know, suffered uh, devastating knee injuries over the last couple of years, uh, came back from a knee injury, hurt it again, had to be out again another half a season to recuperate. Now he's made his way to Fumalicão and he got the goal, you know, he got the equalizer. Obviously, you don't want to ever see anyone score on us, but if you do, this is a good feel, feel good story. So I'm happy that Guga, um, you know, obviously, he's trying to get his, or starting to get his career back on track. 
Yeah, and I, you know, I don't um, subscribe to the folks that uh, or to the people that uh, criticize them for for celebrating. Hey, score, bro! It is what it, you don't want to look. My thing is always you don't want them to celebrate. Don't let them score. You know that's where I've always been. <laughs> hey, and here's the thing, man. He, he's a kid that uh, spent most of his youth at Benfica. Uh, went through uh, the injuries that he did, uh, was a player that was revered and that was looked at with tremendous potential. But obviously, as, as Cristiano mentioned, the injuries kind of slowed him down. Um, he ends up, you know, if he could did help him out through those inju- injuries by providing medical, medical and infrastructure and so on and so forth, like they would to any player in the academy. Uh, but then at the end of the day, uh, Benfica says, thank you. Uh, thank you for your service and have a good one. Uh, and I think that when you're a player that has gone through this much hardship in terms of uh, following your dream, in terms of making it to the to the big the big time and making it to the team that you you came up with, uh, and then you're kind of let down, uh, there there's a certain chip on your shoulder that you develop after that, and you add on to the the fact that he has to have had to work through these injuries that when you score, I think your natural instinct is, is your pride. And it's remembering all the hard work you put in physical therapy uh, to be healthy, all the hard work to put uh, in making it a new team, trying to make it make it into the new team that I think that the loyalty aspect of it or the respect factor of it, goes out the window just because it's it's something so natural that yeah, but I don't think he was adrenaline. disrespectful. I don't think, no, I don't think so. I don't I, think so either. Look, it's not every day you score against Benfica. You're scoring against the mighty powerful Glorioso. And look, man, it's obviously like you said, like we said, he's come from the academy, but at the end of the day, you get to score a goal against Benfica, man. It's it's something to be proud for, you know, to be pr- proud about. And I think look, he put on the mask, whatever it was, maybe he sent a message that, that we will never know what it meant. But again, I have absolutely no problem with guys like that celebrate. I wouldn't care no. if he took off his shirt look it, you know it, it is what it is bro you don't want a guy to celebrate don't allow him to score Chris, let's, let, let, let's get it I'll, I'll get you guys opinion on uh, on this it is what it is uh, because it's something that's very common commonly used here in, in in the united states and i think that the that's even part like of, of a meme or something like that uh but so Verissimo is, is interviewed uh, right after the game in a flash interview uh, and they question him about the game and how Benfica tied this game. And, uh, and basically his answer, one of his answers was, okay, it is what it is. Uh, and personally, and, and I'll let you guys uh, go with it. Personally, I'm not, I'm not good with that. Um, as a Benfica fan, I don't want, anyone on my team or on our club to exist, accept things for what they are. I think a uh, club as Benfica's history and as of Benfica, uh, all the, all the reputation that they've had throughout Portugal, throughout the world, throughout Europe, you can't be happy with just accepting or resigning yourself to your current situation. You always have to aim higher. João, I'll go to you, man. How, how did you, uh, perceive that comment by Verissim, do you think it was normal or was that something that is not sitting right with you? Well, um, I, I, I'm going to address uh, the situation in, in two different perspectives. The first one, the perspective of history. And of course, like you said, a club with Benfica's history um, should never, you know, 
to, um, embrace that it is what it is attitude, you know. You, you always have room to improve even when you're winning and that's always going to be uh, and should always be your your top priority and your mentality, you know. Um, even if you're winning, uh, you want it all good. What, what's what to do now? You have to improve and to keep winning. Um, so that's the first um, perspective. But in the, in the light, at the light of the second perspective, I would say that within the context, I'm not saying that I agree with it and I'm saying that it's normal, but I can understand it because, um, you know, at that moment, um, you lost the championship, you know, it was already lost uh, probably. And it, at that moment, all shreds of hope that even the most hopeful would have completely uh, fell down. So at that moment, you have no hope. And I don't think that that's the common to, to the game. I think that, that that phrase, that it is what it is, it's a common to the, to the situation. You know, you just lost the championship. The game um, suddenly doesn't matter. Um, we are all disappointed. And that's how I perceive those words. I, I can be wrong. And you, you may not agree with my perspective. But that's, that, that's how I, I, I saw it. Because... Um, you know, for me and, and for everyone at that moment, um, we lost. That's how I, I perceived it. And then you are playing with a coach that you know it's not going to be um, our coach next, next season. So he's like, the, he's like an animan. He's, he's, he's going with the, a little bit with the flow. And that, at that moment, the flow is, it is what it is. Yeah. You, no. We can't do anything more. No, look, I, I certainly see where you're coming from, with, with uh, but I think as as a Benfiquista, the the pride always comes out, right? Yeah, but no, Dave, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Dave João brings up a great point in in the fact that, uh, and this goes goes much deeper than just this period, right? So when we look back at how the season was planned, how players were requested, how certain positions were left uh, in a fragile state, um, and now all of a sudden they fire the head coach. Uh, instead of cleaning out the whole technical team, they leave Verissimo, who was Laja's right-hand man, in charge. So he's kind of left in a position where he kind of uh, inherited the situation, uh, right? So for him to answer, it is what it is, uh, he is resigned to the many things that happened this year that have culminated with the situation that's currently going on. Yeah, and, and Juan wants to talk about uh, our history. This, it is what it is, uh, has gone back all the way. You could make the case that it's gone back to our when we lost five nothing in uh, in Basel, right? No, we lose five nothing. It is, it is what it is, right? Not, nothing no, no. was changed back then. Um, it's still the same core group of players from three, four seasons uh, ago that. We're just complacent about uh, competing in Portugal, not uh, putting any stock in European competition. Uh, we don't need to invest uh, in the squad. We'll just uh, build the team from uh, Seychelles, bring up uh, a couple of players here and there. And we, uh, it, it is what it is. We're, we're, uh, I think the word is uh, apathetic uh, to the situation. Uh, we, we've lost interest. We are, we're just uh, going to compete in Portugal and uh, we have enough just to get by and just uh, enough to to uh, win the league. Where now you're seeing it, uh, it's it's come back on our, our face here, and you can't really, I guess you can't really blame the coach like we've said here for for making that uh, statement. He he's pretty much 
got three games to go left on uh, on his contract here. I doubt uh, they'll re-sign him to be a part of the the club next season. But it, just watching the game as a as a fan, like there, I have no invested emotion to the squad of players that I'm watching on, on the field. The the badge, the club, of course, I'll always show that that same passion. But for the 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 squad of of players that I'm watching uh, on the pitch these last God knows how many months it is, but just even this last spell, I have no no vested uh, emotion uh, for these players because I see that they have no invested emotion uh, to this club. Chris, um, I'm kind of uh, look. If this was my permanent head coach, right, I, I would have a huge try. Look, I didn't like it. Don't get me wrong; I wasn't a fan of what he said. But again, this is a guy that. He has a few weeks left as, you know, he's in, in charge of the team. He's a guy that if all rumors are, are true about J.J. coming in, he's a guy that knows his days are numbered. Even if it's not J.J., regardless who it is, he knows he's not going to be the coach next year. He knows that the team – look, he's been inside this locker room all year long, right? There's rumors about players setting up uh, Lodge to fail. So he knows the intricacies of the inside of the locker room. At this point, there's nothing he could do. He's just there to just guide the guys to the to the finish line at the end of the at the end of the season, and he's going to go on his merry way. So, I can't expect the guy to say much more. Again, if it was my permanent head coach, if this was Lodge before he got fired, I, w- I would have had a problem with it. Uh, but the fact that it's a guy that's got his days numbered, I mean, I got to be honest with you guys. To me, it was a non-factor. I didn't like it, but you know, I really don't. It is what it is, man. I'm, I'm the same attitude as him. It is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> he inherited those problems, you know, so yeah, you can't really blame him for, yeah, for saying that. Exactly. And, and then, like I said, I'm not saying I liked it, but I can understand why he said that because he's like, he, he landed there on a parachute and now <laughs> everyone expects him to, to solve problems that we spent an entire season without solving. So, so yeah, that's right. where I think that, that, that sentence came from. That's a great point. Uh, Dave, um, numbers on this game. I know that there was somebody that reached out uh, on Twitter with a, with a specific question. Um, you want to you address that directly, and then we'll move on to, uh, to the next game and any other stats yes. you may have. Yeah, so the question came from uh, at 74 uh, Agra, who wanted to know how many uh, times Benfica had blown uh, leads uh, this season because uh, they had blown uh, this lead against uh, Famalicao. Um, so they've blown uh, three two-goal leads, actually, uh, this season uh, against uh, Red Bull Leipzig, uh, against Stubal, and against uh, Portimonis, and uh, they all ended up in uh, 2-2 draws. Uh, they've also uh, blown uh, one nothing leads twice, actually, against uh, Famalicão, one for the Tasa, and uh, one this uh, past week. Uh, and then other than that, uh, they were up 3-2 against Santa Clara, ended up losing uh, 4-3 there, and uh, gave up multiple uh, advantages against Shakhtar in uh, Europa League. They went up 1-0, 2-1, 3-2, and uh, they ended up 3-3 uh, draw on that one. So 3-1. We uh, were up 3-1 against Shakhtar. That's right, and uh, ended up being a, a 3-3 draw. A 3-3 so. draw, yes. Yep. So um, multiple times, unfortunately, this season where Benfica is, uh, just has not been able to uh, bunker down and uh, get the result. You guys think that this Agra guy on Twitter with this Twitter, you think it's Salvador Agra? Was, didn't he sign with Benfica? <laughs> 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 like, no, it's definitely Salvador. not Salvador Agra. Okay. Just, just, just I don't think Agra He was has... with Absh, was he not? I don't know. He signed with Benfica. Didn't he sign with Benfica? Then Benfica loaned him yeah. out. He's one of those guys. Yes, that- he signed a couple of years ago, but yeah. he, he, he was sent back to where he came from <laughs> <laughs> almost instantly. 
Yeah, yeah. he never took a picture, right? He was one of those guys that you know. Yeah, yeah. He, he, I think he came in the same year as as Krovy, and Krovy uh, took a picture, so you knew he would stay. Uh, but Agra didn't take a picture, <laughs> so he got <laughs> he got I somewhere Patrick else. Vieta, I think Patrick Vieira was also one of those guys, the right back from Maritimo. I think yes, one of those. They signed three guys from Maritimo at the time. And I yes, think yes, 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 yes. I used part of that crew. Well, uh, Nacional. Oh, no, whatever. Or, but Patrick Vieira came from Maritimo, though. He might have been a but uh, Agra came from the Agra came from the Yes, yeah. yes. Oh, it was Madeira. I was. I got the island right. You know, I got. <laughs> he's he's playing for uh, Legia War Warsaw right now. And he's still yes, under contract for Benfica or no? No, no. This was uh, so he his loan, I guess, was uh, up at the end of the year, and uh, he's now he's no longer a part of our uh, our squad though. There you go. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, any uh, little hopes that you had of of still being able to get to the championship were 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 really killed uh, with this uh, Famalicão game. And look, um, it's not all the merit by Benfica. There's also a lot of merit uh, by Famalicão in the way they've they have played all season. They've been uh, the Cinderella uh, team of this uh, this league this year. Uh, and certainly, kudos to them and and, and their coach who have uh, they have a nice little team, but they've also been set up nicely. Uh, and certainly, uh, their place on the table is uh, a, a really a reflection for what they've done uh, this season. Especially a team that has been just uh, promoted. Um, so uh, we now turn our attention to uh, Guimarães, which uh, happened uh, today as we record this. Uh, same exact lineup. Uh, no, uh, I'm sorry. The only difference was uh, Vinicius. Uh, so you go two games in a row with Seferovic. Now you give a shot uh, to um, to Vinicius. Uh, and just to, just to, this game uh, was very intense uh, in the first half uh, with uh, Guimarães having at least two or three good chances. I remember um, the, Crossbar the, by the British kid. Uh, hitting the, both the crossbar and the upright on that one shot. Uh, then there was kind of that little clumsy uh, bicycle kick or half volley, whatever that is, with that uh, that uh, Vlakodimo saved with his left Phenomenal foot. Save. Phenomenal. Uh, yeah, and, uh, and and he kept us uh, he kept us in, man. But uh, I think again in the 37th minute, this time um, the goal coming from Chiquinho, uh, which ha was having his third chance and he finally put uh, put this one away uh, but Benfica really finishes the half with the only highlight being this goal as Guimarães had much of the the better play of uh, of this half. João, how did you uh, see this half by Benfica? Um, I think that um, uh, similarity to the um, in similarity to the Famalicão game the first 10-15 minutes we we came to the pitch with a very good attitude you know Pressing, um, not 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 always playing well. Um, we can't say we have always playing well because it's not. But with a different attitude that we've been showing with Lush. Um But then from the 15th minute to the 37th, that's when we scored our goal. It was all Vitoria. It was all Vitoria. They kept pushing us back to our own box. They kept collecting chances. Um, we were very lucky. Uh, we have to say that because. Um, Edwards was like one inch away from scoring. I I, I didn't see the replay, but um, um, I think that the ball uh, when when he touches the ground, he touches the goal line. Uh, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, if I remember correctly, so it's like an inch away. Um, 
uh, Vlakodimos makes two or I think two saves. One that 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 clumsy kick, and another one from um from a free kick from a header. I think that Hola John was in the it was in the play too. Yeah. Um, it was like um, uh, it was a confusing a confusing situation, and but he, he solved it again. Um, I, um, I, but I've been seeing uh, and, I, and I saw uh, throughout the first half the same problems that we have been seeing um, throughout the, the entire year of 2020. Um, lack of play, lack of play from the middle. You know, we don't play, um, we don't play link-ups in the middle. We don't play easy chances. We just go outside and crosses. That's, that's our only play. Um, so the, the problems are well identified. Um, but for me, it um, brings me a little bit of joy to see that the players are now um, at least trying, you know, uh, because they, they were trying not to lose, even though they were, um, of course, with the problems that we've been talking about, we know, throughout the season. But they were trying to um, to keep the, the mystery of the championship a little bit alive. Um, so, yeah, it was not, <laughs> it was not a, a very good first half, but it was an improvement in the attitude level. Um, and at this point of the season, then adding towards uh, a Portuguese Cup final, I think that that's, um, that's something that we got to praise, you know, because it, even though that, that's our will right now, that we want to smash everything and everyone, we still have to, um, to be calm and to be cool. We have to think we have a, a game, um, a very important game that could... Um, not salvage completely, but at least give us a little bit of um, redemption. So um, we have to just link ourselves. We have to um, uh, unite ourselves because we are going to have a very difficult match. And if we just um, um, go to the end of the season, just smacking everyone and everything, uh, no matter how they deserve to be smacked, uh, we are not going to be successful in that last game. So, yeah, for me... The problems were there, but I was happy that we at least tried to to make something, even though we were not very successful. And look, some, some of the players' attitudes might have changed, but one thing that hasn't changed here since since uh, Lodge has been fired is, guys, defensively we are yes. atrocious. Yes. I mean, set pieces on set, we are terrible. Every single set piece, it's it's, it's like a penalty for these guys. It's, it's half a chance. And I we saw. I saw an image um, uh, from the second half. I can't, I can't say the minute exactly, but it was, uh, I think, f towards um, in the middle, between the, 45, the, the 45th and the 60th minute. Um, it was a corner for Vitoria, and we had nine or ten players inside the box. Vitoria only had four players in an attacking situation, and they still won the situation. And they, they created an, an, um, a dangerous situation with a five or six player uh, disadvantage so so yeah. so yeah we've wow. been dreadful defensively yeah um the problems are there yeah Nemo's yeah, out of save us a couple of times with that one half bicycle as you mentioned Alfred in the 27th minute uh that was another phenomenal save that he was able to get his hands on the ball I mean he could have could things could have very easily gone downhill would have been two zero ugly but fortunately, Vlaco Dimos came up big time. And one thing we always say here on the podcast is the fact that in between the pipes, he's got cat-like reflexes. He's phenomenal. You know, he doesn't have the difficulties he does with playing the ball out of his feet outside the box. As long as, long as you keep him on his line, he's, he's fantastic. And once yeah. again today, 
he showed those reflexes. And if it wasn't for that, things would have gotten very interesting. Uh, you know, maybe the Cascois would have gotten up and even walked away. You never know if things would have gotten <laughs> The Cascois walking away. I would have loved it, was, it was a windy, it was windy in Lisbon, right? Maybe they could have blown away on the field. Maybe. <laughs> ugly, man. No, yeah, it was an interesting half because uh, it was something that we don't uh, see too often is a guy being subbed, uh, you know, 30 minutes into in the, the game. And, and that happened to Julian Weigel, which picked up uh, a yellow card early on. Uh, so that, uh, for all intents and purposes, that rendered him out of the Benfica's next game against Sportivo uh, de Zavis because he accumulated the yellows. Uh, but then after that, he's faced with a couple plays uh, that he's forced to make very, very risky tackles that could have easily earned him a yellow. And you know, very, very lucky not to get that yellow against yeah. John when he pulled him there from behind. Yeah, he should have been sent off. Yeah, I yeah. think that he should have been sent off. So once he, once he gets substituted, the coaching staff is livid on a sideline. All the assists, not the Coivo Vieira, not so much, but his assistants. Flavio Medels. Yeah, He's Flavio. always very passionate. Yeah. He was like that too as a center back when he played. But yeah. he was, you know, you could tell they were not happy. They weren't happy with that situation. And, yeah. you know, it's, look, right now, like like we've said so many times on the podcast, specifically as well, right? It's a matter of time before Porto uh, takes the Conecu, right? But that being said, if it wasn't for that, imagine these things were still t- – this would have been a topic of conversation for the next week. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he got he got lucky. And yeah. to his credit, no, yeah. his credit, he, he you know, he commented on, on, a, on an Instagram uh, comment afterwards, you know, yeah. look, look, I was getting too aggressive and it is what it is. He understands. This is a guy that seems to have some type of class, doesn't want to be confrontational, doesn't want to start any trouble. And he, he himself admits that things were getting – you know, he was getting a little bit too – too intense, but yeah. you know, it, it things look. The one good thing is we got to see Florentino. Uh, Dave's got his stats. He got to play, and he played really well. So it's finally good to see Florentino. And look, this is a Florentino without the shackles of Brunelage, and 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 you could tell he's a totally different player totally today, different. Alfredo. Yeah, but uh, before before we get into Florentino, and as you mentioned, did Florentino did uh, come in for 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 Weigel, and he did have a, a very good uh, game for the minutes that he played. But but here's a, uh, something that I will ask you, Cristiano. Um, there's a couple guys uh, on this team um, that have been pendulums uh, within the team, uh, meaning if they play well, Benfica plays well. If they don't play well, Benfica seems to be more limited than what they do. And those two guys are one is Pizzi uh, and the other one is Gabriel. And, and, and I thought that Gabriel really one had more, a, a, poor, a poor – one more. There's one more, Rafa. But Rafa, he's yeah. a shadow. When Rafa uh, plays, Rafa is on. When Rafa is on, is on. He's yes. virtually unplayable. Which is sad because we've said it. When Rafa's on, he's Benfica's best player, most most dangerous player at least. And the guy, I mean, he's but, he's worse than the t- when he's worse than what he was when he first arrived when he struggled. He's he's. I mean, the guy's atrocious. But you're right. When Gabriel plays well, when PZ plays well, Fredo, go ahead, finish your point. I just yeah. I just think that Rafa is one of those players as well that needs to be made, those and, three guys. And what I wanted to say is I think that because of, of Gabriel was playing the way he was playing and, and I, I'm still yet to figure out what Gabriel's deal is because he could be a very good player for us and then he could be the guy that's launching balls with no target or just missing passes left and, left and right. There's no consistency uh, to his game. Uh, and I think that a, a lot of that, whoever's playing uh, in the middle with him ends up uh, uh, suffering the consequences of his poor positioning, uh, having to make a, a harder tackle because now you kind of have to prevent the counterattack from going on. And I think that's 
and I'm, as I'm watching this game, I'm thinking that Weigel was probably a victim uh, of that. But certainly, what is the deal with Gabriel, Christian? Have you been able to put a uh, finger on it? I don't know. He seemed, look, to me, my, my thing would be, if you just look at Gabriel from this year and look at Gabriel from last year, he seems to be a couple. It just, look, that's, my, that's what I see. You know what I mean? I could be totally wrong because I don't see the guy without a shirt, but he looks like he's a couple pounds overweight. And it seems like he's struggling a lot more this year than he did last year to, to roam around the field, be influential, even with his passing. I mean, he's just a totally different player. It seems like he hasn't been committed 100%. And, you know, if, if the rumors are true, uh, about the possible next head coach, he's going to have to change a lot because he will not play on the field if he's not in tip-top form. Uh, because as you mentioned, he leaves a lot of his, especially the guys playing side-by-side -side with him, Avigo, you know, or even Florentino if he gets to play some, some, some more minutes. Now, he leaves those guys alone, and these guys have to commit fouls. That otherwise, they wouldn't have had to had he been in the right position. It seems like he's just not committed. I don't know, because I think when he's on, he's a phenomenal player. He's got a sweet left foot. He can spread the ball around. You know, the guy knows how to weigh a pass, a long pass, short pass. He's fantastic in possession. Has but, the outside you know, shot. Yeah, but the guy just not engaged. It seems like he's yeah. not engaged. So I want to blame it on the fact that he's not 100% fit. It's just, yeah. That's the I, only thing I can put my hand on. And, and Joel, I'll, I'll ask you, and maybe you have a different perspective. Um, I think this goes back. It, it's It's been more and more noticeable, and I think that – uh, the the one period that he was really going through a bad, uh, rough patch of form, uh, and this is right before he got that eye injury, where fans were whistling him, uh, that I kind of noticed that there was a change in his thing. Uh, what's what's your take, man? What's your take on it? Because the 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 skill set is there, uh, the way he thinks the game is there. But there's something missing that brings it all together. Um, well, a lot has been said about Gabriel, and uh, and that said, I didn't I injury that the he had. Um, but you are right um, because from that moment on, he, when he came back, he he's, he was a completely different player, and the the skill set is there, like you said. Um, he. But 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 he's he's like he's reminiscing um, his Rui Vitoria days, you know. When he first arrived with Rui Vitoria, he didn't actually fit the team, and everyone was uh, saying that he was um, a flop, that he was not a good purchase. And then Large came, and he completely changed, um, transforming into the crucial player that he was throughout that 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 championship. Um, to the moment that he was injured, you know, and then Samaris came to to take his place. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that he he could have have also been affected by the the collective mindset, you know, you know, because you have seen uh, lack of interest, you know. Um, of course, I'm only speculating, uh, but um, when the team performs so bad as we do, uh, sometimes, at least for me, it's it's hard to to sideline what um, and to, to uh, not, not sideline, sorry, I didn't mean to say this word. I, I, I wanted to say highlight. Uh, when the team performs so bad as we have been performing, it's hard to highlight what makes a player play so bad because it's all um, organized in the same collective um, yeah. person, you know? Um, so but it's a fact that his passing has been ridiculous. You know, when it hits, 
it hits. You know, when it hits, he makes beautiful um, long um, field coast-to-coast um, -coast passes, you know, with like 40, 50-yard passes. But uh, right now, he's hitting like one out of five, one out of six, and that's really a, a poor, poor um, ratio, you know. So yeah, I, I, I'm... I'm not actually um, answering your question because I, I can't point a reason um, because of the collective issues that we're facing. But um, I agree with you when you say that could be related to the eye injury. And also, I don't know, lack, lack of interest. And um, maybe maybe the, um, the shadow of, of Tarab is, um, is, is glamouring in the... In the field, I, um, if you know what I'm saying, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. But throughout the season, when Gabriel was injured, he had Tarabt, who was a completely different player and was one of our vital players throughout the season. Then you don't have Tarabt right now, but you expect that someone who's going to play in that position does the same thing as Tarabt. Uh, and Gabriel is a completely different player yeah. and maybe is suffering a little bit from not being Tarabt uh, at at this point of the season. Yeah. So Dave, uh, Benfica goes into the to the locker room and, and quite fortunate again to uh, to have that goal uh, when Guimarães clearly uh, created more chances. Uh, coming out to the second half, was there any uh, fear on your part, thinking that well, Guimarães has played this well uh, in the first half? Surely they have to feel short change, or they're going to come out with a chip on their shoulder for the second half. Was there any thought at, at that point that? this game was still very much open? Oh, for sure. Just because of how we've been seeing this team uh, day and night, uh, how they play from the first half to the second half, there's always there's always that doubt uh, in, in the back of your mind. How is uh, Benfica, this Benfica uh, squad going to come out in the in the second half? And you know what? It was more, more, almost a carbon copy of uh, last uh, week's game against uh, Fumalico. It looks like this squad just puts it in uh, in cruise control and lets the these other clubs come to them and let uh, let them create the chances. And if it wasn't uh, for that uh, offside, uh, that Gimaraj goal being offside, uh, called back offside there uh, in the 80 plus minutes, this would have been an 84th minute. It would have been a, a carbon copy of last week's game against uh, Fomalika, where we were just happy and. and Again, it, it name this podcast. It is what it is, but we <laughs> just had that it is what it is attitude in the second half, and we're just happy to kick it into cruise control, let the uh, the the uh, clock tick down, and, and see this one through. But uh, really lucky not to concede a, a goal there and uh, give up uh, points uh, in the second half. And Dave, don't forget to mention off a set piece that play you're talking about was another set piece that we are yeah. again are again. I, I gotta mention this again. Our defensive coach, right? <laughs> like in the NFL, they have offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, special teams. This was our so-called defensive coach, right? Set, this is the guy that's now been a, a, appointed the head coach until the final seat. And somehow, somewhere, shockingly enough, we are just as atrocious now defensively or defending uh, set piece as we were before when Lodge was there. Why? Because... The one guy in charge of the problem hasn't been able to identify it, hasn't been able to do anything different. And as as Joel mentioned, there was a corner there where we had nine guys inside the box, and these guys were four guys, still had an opportunity to create a scoring opportunity. It's just it's it's ugly. We just can't defend. Look, man, it, the season can't end soon enough. Uh, 
it'd be a dream come true if somehow, some way, the Tripeiros was to fumble all this away. But look, <laughs> realistically, it's probably most likely not going to happen. But it, let, let's let's get this. Let's shoot this fish in the head and let's, yeah. let's just get it over with. But I have a question for Dave, if you don't mind, uh, because sure. he's mm -hmm. the stats man. And, and I, I actually find um, this question interesting. It's probably not a question that he's going to be able to answer in this episode, but I'm going to throw it out anyway. Because, you know, as you know, Laj um, was appointed a manager in January last year, you know. And um, from January to May, I, I only remember one goal from a set piece that we actually conceded. It was against Frankfurt uh, in the first leg of the quarterfinals against, um, against Frankfurt in, in Salido Luz. It was the 4-2, the goal from Paciencia. But then uh, uh, you, um, you also had that goal from that dreadful Flaco Dimos error against Bluminense, but I don't count that as a defensive error because it was a, an individual error from the goalkeeper. But how can a team with this... And, and why am I asking this question? Because at that moment, it was, it was always Verissimo who handled the defensive um, set pieces. So how can a team with the same... Um, coaching staff in, in charge of set pieces with the same players defending those set, set pieces can, come, can go from only conceding one goal in alpha year to conceding dozens of goals in the yeah. same period of time. Yeah, uh, that's a great question, and I don't, I don't know if there, there's, a, there's a, a, an answer, but I'm sure there was a lot. And, and I do remember that the, the biggest question in terms of set pieces is why don't we score more on set pieces? The question of why we give up so many goals on set pieces was never really an issue until this we restarted. Uh, so something, something happened. Joel says, Joel says from January to May, and actually I want to extend it until January really December. Because, because yeah. remember, this, there was a point Benfica was the least scored team in Europe, I believe sometime in December. Until the Primera Volta was over. Then after that, the wheels fell off the wagon. So yeah. this is a short, what, I'd say in the last 15 games maybe. I mean, yeah, I, I only said to May because... Um, no, I, I know, but I just wanted to extend it because they were actually good at defending them until yeah, even yeah. longer than that. Even longer than that. And then all of a sudden, as I said, the wheels fell off the wagon. Let me um, struggles. I don't know if it's confident. I don't know what the hell it is, but it's, it's, we, we watch Mefica day in, day out, man. And it's so difficult to pinpoint what the hell's going on because me, this is, you know, these are things that we don't, Alfred, I'm sorry. These, I'm just rambling, bro. I'm, let I'm, me see <laughs> if I can tie this in together. Dave, when was the last time that Florentino played? Uh, November 9th against Santa Clara. Cristiano, how do you explain a guy that hadn't played for that long to be able to play, played what, at least three quarters of the game, uh, to be able to play and play at that level? I mean, Alfredo, look, I, you know what my answer is, my simple answer. I don't, I don't want to complicate things. The guy's a professional. He's getting the same training these guys do every day. And then, look, that's the total sign of a professional guy that when his number is called, he's going to go out there and play to the best of his ability. And, and I'm glad that he's done so. I'm glad that, you know, he's not a guy that, that sits there and thinks, look, I'm, I'm a Portugal on the 20 international, some Yorkie Eastern, he's pouting. No, the kid, you know, look, he's showing his professionalism and he did what he had to do. It's unfortunate that he hasn't got more minutes. I mean, I didn't even, I mean, wow. November 9th, that was his last. That is crazy. Can, yeah, can we, yes. So can we somewhat tie that to the fact that Befica um, was less defensive uh, and allowed more goals? 
No, because Alfredo, we stated, we just said it a minute ago. Benfica went until the end of the Primera Volta not conceding goals. So, I mean, it was working at some point. And, yeah. and obviously, he stopped playing November 9th. So, it was working until a certain point that all of a sudden, I don't know if you want to pinpoint it to, to the transfer of Julian Vigo because that destabilized the locker room. I don't know if it was uh, Gabriel really getting injured because he got injured and he was out for, 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 for a huge amount of time. Then he started playing. Then it was him and Tarapt. And obviously, those two guys playing side by side, yeah, they're able to move the ball and play beautiful soccer. But defensively, you know you're not going to get the same intensity you're going to get from a, from a Florentino. So, you, you know, you kind of have to give or take, the, you know, give some here to take there. You know what I'm saying? Like, you get the offensive prowess with, with, with the, the Tarapt of the world, with the Gabriels of the world, and then you going to get the defensive stuff with you know with with, with Florentino but you're not going to get that you're not going to get it offensively so um I think at the time when Benfica was struggling I think the coaches said look if we score more than you do doesn't matter how many goals we get because at the end of the day the important thing is getting the three goals but unfortunately Benfica just wasn't able to create opportunities they weren't able to score and then they weren't able to stop other teams from scoring yeah and look uh, kudos to uh, Florentino for being absent for that long and and yes Training and being in shape uh, is half the battle, but game rhythm is something that you don't get in training. Yeah, but we've seen that with Samadhi. Samadhi's a guy that sat the bench for long stretches, and then even last year got his number called uh, once Gabriel got hurt, and he came in, finished the rest of the season alongside Florentino. I mean, look. But it usually guys- takes him a couple, a couple games to, to hit stride. Yeah. yeah. Look, I'm just glad that, that he took his opportunity. And now with Vigo being suspended for next week's game against the uh, Loves, I think he's going to get the call. And maybe this is this is the opportunity he needs. Maybe he's, you know, maybe he's another guy that's 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 dedicated himself a little bit more. You heard the rumors. He had a girlfriend's getting married. He wasn't as dedicated. I mean, there's just so much stuff going on off the field with this club. Uh, at the end of the day, I think we should just praise him for his performance today, the fact that he's ready and, he, you know, he, he made the best of it. Yeah. 100%. So, Dave, uh, Benfica was able to close it out despite uh, Guimarães uh, threatening uh, when Benfica did score uh, their uh, second goal in the 87th minute. It seemed that uh, Benfica was a little shaky up until that point and Seferovic was able to, uh, Seferovic, who had been subbed in, uh, was able to run into a cross to the first post and, and really put it away. And this is something, this is a movement that he does well. And as long as he's square with the goal, he's able to put him away. If he has to angle his body a little bit more, that's when he ends up in the, in the stands. Uh, but certainly a, a good goal from him. And, and look, I'm always happy when, when I see Seferovic uh, score because he misses so many goals that he uh, is at least uh, has, has to get one. 2 nothing uh, for Benfica. Benfica uh, did uh, clinch the Champions League. And I know, Dave, this was in your stats and you were going to mention, but I'm going to take that one away from you. Uh, but a, a good win for Benfica against the Guimarães team that's still uh, has a lot to play for. Unfortunately, they don't depend on themselves uh, to make it to to Europe. Uh, but this was a, a team that uh, that it's it's a well set up team. And, and Cristiano, I know that you're you're somewhat of a fan of Evil Vieira. Yeah, uh, you just don't fun. don't understand them that much yeah, sometimes. No. Um, but but certainly this was going to be a tough game. And and to be honest with you, I'm, I wasn't I wasn't that optimist about uh, this game. I tell you, I think I figured it out. I think I figured something out for for Verissimo here. I think whoever he has, which striker of the three, right? Souza, Sferovic, and me, whichever one of the three he has the most confidence in, don't start him. Because you've seen the starters that play like crap and the guy being substituted coming in in the sixth. Dave actually played well. So the guy you have the most confidence, just use, just save him to the 60th minute and then bring him in. Because it, it seems to be where the guys that start give you absolutely nothing. So 
Uh, just just a piece of advice for him. Yeah. Dave, some stats on this game so we could wrap this up. Yep. So uh, first clean sheet victory for Benfica since February 24th against the Gil Vicente, uh, an 11 game span there. And then their first clean sheet victory at home uh, since December 14th against uh, Familical. And that was also uh, an 11 game stretch, uh, 11 home game span now where they hadn't uh, gotten a clean sheet victory at the Stade de Luz. Uh, on the topic of clean sheets, uh, in the first uh, round of uh, league games, Benfica had 12 clean sheets uh, in uh, 17 games. Uh, so 71% of their uh, games ended in uh, clean sheets. And this, uh, in the second round of uh, games here, they've only had uh, four clean sheets out of uh, 15 uh, games. So a 27% uh, ratio there for clean sheets. So it goes hand in hand what we're talking about uh when we were talking about uh, the dis- defensive uh, struggles and, or actually the, the lack of defensive struggles where we uh, had uh, one of the best uh, goals uh, against ratios there uh, up until the uh, game against Porto and then the uh, wheels fell off the uh, tractor and it's yeah. uh, gone to shit since then. Yeah, look, the proof is in the pudding, as they say, right? Uh, and something that Laj had mentioned is that the defensive, and I'll ask you, Joao, the defensive problems, he said that they had been identified since the beginning of the season. Why hasn't been corrected? Do you think it's just lack of coaching or is it just because they don't have the players to, to be able to make the corrections? Well, um, it's, it's laughable when you say that um, the problems are identified since the beginning and then you go out there and you keep committing <laughs> the very same mistakes yeah. every single match. It's, it's laughable. Um, but um, I, I don't think that, that it's a problem of, of the players or, 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 or well, or, or it was. And last season we were all mistaken because last season with the same players, uh, we didn't have this kind of trouble. But um, maybe last season we were seeing with special goggles, you know, because everything seemed perfect. We were winning. We were smashing everyone. And I admit that sometimes uh, our, my judgment could, could be a little bit um, tainted because all I see was a fairy tale and maybe I didn't address the real problem. Maybe the problems were there and we just didn't see them because we were winning. And it's, it's way more easy to, to find problems when you are not winning than when you're winning. Because when you're winning, um, no matter what, no matter, what, no matter how, um, you're, you're always good. Because at the end of the day, for 90% of football fans, the win is what counts. Um, I think that one of the problems, um, and the, I think probably the main problem, was the, um, the situation with Ferro. Um, Ferro, who last season was such a, a good player, was such a, a novelty um, and such a difference um, from Ruben, because Ruben is your typical centre-back, you know, um, he's strong, but he's not very technical, you know, he doesn't have a very special technical ability, he's not extraordinary, he's a normal guy. And then you had Ferro, who was not so... Um, so robusto, <laughs> yes, yeah. so so physical. But then he, he, for a centre back, he really had um, uh, an amazing technical ability within the with the passes, but also a tactical ability because he would clear the entire defensive area uh, without making a big deal about it. You know, always playing with class. And I don't understand. 
people said that he was playing with the, with an injury throughout the, the beginning of the season. So maybe that was uh, the problem. Uh, but but you know, you finished last season with Grimaldo, Ferro, Ruben, and Almeida, and you have your champion. You have a very positive defense, and then you start the season with the same four guys, and one of them is not at the level that he was in the previous season, yeah. and the entire team just crumbles. So I don't know if it was also you know large obviously as um, responsibility because at the end of the day is the head coach and you can't have problems that you know they are there and not being able to solve them at least not at this level you know not at the competitive level that Benfica requires uh, but you know at the end of the day the, the manager is going to play with the players uh, that he has and at the end of the day the, the players make the manager I, I recall large last year after we won at Porto, 2-1, he said the, um, this particular line that stuck with me. He said, thank, I want to thank these players for making me a manager. Yep. You know, so the, the players make the manager. So w- when a player doesn't perform as well, um, it doesn't um, provide exculpation for everything, but it gives you a reason and an insight of why the, the team could not be performing at the same level, especially defensively, because it's such such a, an amazing difference um, for, for, for the worse um, that, um, that it makes me it makes me think that has something to do with fail you know yeah and um, yeah yeah it's, uh, look I, I think as you mentioned when things are going well and you're in that rhythm and you're confident things that you know they're they're looking up and it's hard to find things to pick on um, but, but Cristiano teams are, are looking at us and they're seeing uh, video and Ferro as a as a young player certainly they're finding some holes some gaps uh, in his game. Uh, whether it's we're gonna hit this lane behind Grimaldo each time and we're gonna stretch out Ferro, we're gonna make Ferro come out to the line and defend on one on one when that might not be his is is suitable skill. Look, uh, you know I'm not a fan of the guy, but Serge so Conceição gave people the game plan on how to beat Benfica and how to attack this Benfica. He did it one time at the at the start of the loop, and I guess the rest of the teams in the league didn't pay attention. But then when he did it the second time at home, it seems as if everyone copied that game plan and attacked our left side of the defense. Even when Grimaldo in there was atrocious. I mean, defensively between Ferro and Grimaldo out of form, things were ugly. And so, uh, again, as I mentioned, once once they got the game plan from Kose Son, I'm not a big fan of his. I mean, even tactically, he's not anything great. But he got that spot on against Benfica, and, and it's been the same case over and over and over. And it's so so much now so that you get a young kid in, in, in Tavares playing left back, and now you don't even see Rafa the starting level because they have to insert Servi because Servi's going to do that dirty work and, and help out defensively, and it worked today for the first time in a while, as Dave mentioned, with as far as, as clean sheets. But, you know, again, even then, even even with the, the extra help and even with Jardel, you know, a veteran in there trying to calm things down, it took – two phenomenal saves from, from Blanco Dimos uh, to stop us from going down 2-0 because things could have gotten ugly today against, uh, yeah. against Gimenez if it wasn't for those two tremendous saves. But things are just defensively. This team has lost their confidence. Ferro last year towards the end of the season looked like a world beater. I mean, we even talked about him getting called up to the Portuguese national, the national team. Yes. Yeah, exactly. there's, there's so much talk about positive 
uh, positively, I should say, uh, in, in regarding Ferro. And this year, the guy seems like a totally different player. I don't know what the hell happened in the offseason, but he, he was not the same player. And so hopefully uh, going forward, um, the, whoever the new coaching staff is, and you know, obviously you guys know who I want it to be, but I'm not even going to get go go down that road. <laughs> I'll just go with you know the generic answer. Whoever the coaching staff is going to be, they're going to have to identify what players on this team are Benfica caliber. And you guys have listened to the Benfica podcast over the years. No, I'm I'm very big on. But there's Benfica players and then there's professional players, totally different players. I mean, there's guys that are good players, but. They might not be Benfica worthy. And I just want the coaching staff, whoever it is, whoever it may be, to identify the guys that they're going to go forward. And I understand there might not be money. Like, you know, we're not Manchester City, Real Madrid, that we could buy a whole new roster. But, you know, throughout Portuguese football, this caliber, there's quality players throughout the other small teams. There's obviously negotiations. You could trade players for other players to, to, to bring down the, 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 the transfer fee. There's so, much, so many things we could do here, but – uh, it's just it's tough, man. It's tough because this team, as we've mentioned, they're a shell of themselves. They they were fantastic. You know, eight, won eighteen games out of nineteen, I believe, in the first round or whatever the hell, or the first. Yeah. Well, first round is only seventeen, but then they won. You know what I'm saying? That the initial two games until they played until they played football with the Porto, and then, bro, it's bro. If you didn't know, uh, if you weren't a diehard Benfica like we were, and we watched every single game last year on the Brun Lodge, and we saw this Benfica, we would never in a million years guess that Benfica overcame a seven-point deficit last year. Actually went into a place that we never play well in, right? Barely ever, right? With the exception of Lima scoring two goals, and and now we so we never go into that going to play well. Not only did we go, we were down one 0 we turned the game around with a draw, Felix goal and a Rafa goal, came away with three points, overcame that seven-point deficit. It, it, everything was perfect. Stars were aligned. And then all of a sudden, what the f- – like, yo, it's it's been very depressing as a Benfica yeah. to witness what we're going through. Yeah. Very tough. Dave, uh, up next to Zavs, who is b- basically done. Uh, they've been uh, relegated. They've been relegated already. Um, what, do you, what do you got in terms of uh, numbers? And do you think this could be a trap game, Benfica having already uh, locked in second place and possibly – uh, would Porto win in the championship tomorrow? Yeah, so uh, just run down the numbers here. Historically, 15 wins, two draws, and uh, those th- uh, those two draws uh, were away from the Estadio de Luz. Um, like you said, they have been uh, mathematically relegated already, uh, going uh, back to the second division since uh, the 2016-2017 season. Um, Avja's uh, form right now since returning from the COVID break one win, one draw the draw came against uh, Porto and uh, six losses but um, I don't know if I would call it a trap game because um, like you said we are we have secured that second place uh, finish uh, 99% chance that uh, Porto is going to wrap up the, uh, the championship uh, tomorrow as we record this so I don't know if I'm looking at it as a trap game or more of a game to give some players uh, an opportunity. Guys like uh, Ajota, um, who's only been getting these la- gets like three min- the last three minutes of each game, he gets uh, subbed in there. Why not give him a run uh, against Avj and see what uh, he can do, right? Uh, um, like we said, Florentino will probably get uh, the start there with uh, Weigel getting uh, the su- suspension. Um, the international man of mystery, Tarapt, uh, is nowhere to be seen right now. But um, you've been so getting think, me started on that, Dave. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Florentino will probably get that uh, position. 
Um, but yeah, I, I see this not necessarily as a trap game, but more of a game to try uh, some players out and see uh, what uh, they can bring to us uh, for next season. Look, I get we're going to need consistency to go into uh, obviously a rivalry game, a derby game, a Lisbon derby against Sporting. Those games, regardless of statistically, regardless of standings, right? Those games are always games you want to win. But it, it, I, I'm, I'm going to go as far as to say if Porto does pick up a point tomorrow and they do lock up the title, the, you know, again, this is only if they do lock this up tomorrow. I mean, look, it's not going to happen, but I, I'd be, look, throw in Ferro for, for, for Jardel. I'd even kick the tires with a guy that there's a lot of hope from the Seychelles. A lot of people are talking about him as a potential uh, guy that at least is going to be part of the roster going into the next season, which is a kid like Muratu. I give Florentinos of the world, Jotas of the world. I give those guys, look, it's a game that at least in the standings, we're not going to do any worse than second, and they're not going to do any better than relegation. So it is what it is. So why not kick the tires with these guys, give them some experience at the first division level, and see what happens. But again, that I would only do that if Porto was able to lock it up. And then again, I'd bring back my stars or my, my, my so-called stars for the game against Sporting because you want some continuity. You want some rhythm. You want these guys to be informed going into an all-important game for Tasa Portugal final against Floco do Porto. Again, a Tasa da Benfica has only won something like four times in the last 30 years, which is absolutely embarrassing. So let's keep these guys in shape. Let's keep these guys informed going into that game. But at least this game against Tav is a game that doesn't mean jack crap. Uh, I play everybody. I play all the kids. Why yeah. not? Joao, what do you, what do you think? You would uh, you'd give the less used guys a, a run out? Yeah, uh, like like Cristiano said, I, I totally agree with them. One thing is if Porto doesn't clinch the title tomorrow, if they lose, we should treat the game against Avs as another game because you know uh, we as fans we have thrown the towel. You know we we reckon that the the chances are very 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 low. But as an organization, we can't say we give up. So we just should treat the game as another championship game and see what happens. But if Porto um, locks the title tomorrow as it's expected, even though it's a tough game against Sporting, yeah, I would play, I would play Ferro. I would give the, the guys a rest, especially Ruben, who's been playing, I think, all the minutes throughout the entire season. So um, considering that we had a, a period without play, you know, those three months from COVID break, um, every chance we can get to give those guys a rest, we have to take it because there's not going to be um, much more opportunities. I think it's the only opportunity because like Cristiano also, and Dave, I think also said against Sporting, you have to put the entire meat <laughs> um, we have to, to, yeah, because it's a derby. It doesn't matter uh, what we're playing for. It doesn't matter if it's second against third, even if it's 10th against 11th, it's a derby. So we have to play it like, like it is in, in full capacity. But uh, against Avsh, if we don't have anything else to play for, I will play Morato, I'll play Ferro. Um, I would play Tomas, Tavares. I'll, I'll also play Zobin or Svilar in the goal. I would give Dantas a chance. I didn't hear the name Dantas being thrown out there, but I would give Dantas a chance. And I would also give Gonzalo Ramos um, a chance, you know, because we've been struggling uh, with our forwards, with our strikers. And we don't, um, at least I, I, I've not been hearing a lot about strikers coming from Seychelles other than Gonzalo Ramos. Um, so... Um, and we know that we have been struggling um, with goals and from our strikers. So, yeah, I will give him a chance, especially to, to see if he's capable of making the first team next season, see if he's ready um, to play some senior 
football or or if you should go back to the B teams or the under 23 or under 19, I think is still under 19. So this would be a good chance to test out all those youth players that were called up to join the, the senior squad. Yeah, that's a, that's a good shout on uh, Ramos. And, and certainly I, I do hope that uh, we need to see if, if those kids are there. I don't know about what, about Dantes, but certainly is probably, Dantes probably played uh, Avj at some point yeah. uh, during his stint in, in a B team. Uh, but yeah, I don't know about uh, Dantes, but yeah, that's, that's a good shout for, for each one of them. But well, um, we, we can't forget that we also have the youth league uh, coming. Yeah. So some of our players that are currently with our senior squad are going to be there. Um, so it will be a chance of, for them to, to play some competitive football before going into true. an important competition as well. So that's, we have that's to think for the whole picture. That's a good shout also. Um, I think that's, uh, you know, I wanted to talk about uh, Luis Felipe Vieira in, in this My latest God. allegations on uh, on fraud and money, whatever. My uh, um, so... Uh, and I'll, 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 without going too much into it, I think that the biggest thing is that when uh, when there's just Luis Fiera is fine, but when the club and and the Saad is is getting dragged into the process, I think that's where I have a problem. Um, and at what point does this uh, is this affecting Luis Fiera's uh, reputation, especially with the old guard, with the guys that are loyal to him, uh, right? Because uh, I think when you look at the demographic of Benfica fans, I think for the most part the the younger generation uh, is a generation that all wants Luis Fiera out. But you still got those those older guys, the guys that play the Sueca at the Casas, uh, <laughs> that, are, that are very much in, in his corner. But at what point does all these processes uh, hurt his reputation and start to uh, damage any confidence that uh, some of these socios uh, have in him? Uh, I'll be curious to, to see that. Um, he's got a very important um, decision in terms of appointing uh, a coach that's going to produce immediate effects. But not only that, uh, he also has to provide that coach, whether it's JJ or whether it's another coach, JJ. <laughs> with, uh, with a big enough uh, budget to bring players that are going to make an immediate impact on this team. Um, so, and, and I'm not, I'm not talking about by, uh, getting the best player on Vitorit Stubel or getting the best player on Murerens. I'm talking about guys that are going to make an impact guys that could play in a European stage guys that could help you qualify for the group stages of the Champions League because that that's something now that you have to face. You're no longer automatically collecting those 40 million. You have to play two games in order to make it, much like Porto did this past season. And we all know how that ended up for them. So not making the the Champions League if we don't have the right talent is very, very probable. Uh, so Luis Fiera has very big decisions to make ahead of uh, of his election in October. And certainly uh, the movements uh, against him are, are garnering strength uh, and they're becoming very serious. And at this point, he's, uh, he knows he's got to make a big play. So uh, we'll see what happens. Um, João, anything else you wanted to, uh, to mention? Uh, give out uh, your Twitter where people can find you on uh, Instagram. If you're on Twin- Tinder, Facebook, 
not Tinder, but I also but um, I also don't use Facebook very much. But you can find me on Twitter at um, João uh, GB. Okay, and um, you can also find me on Instagram with uh, uh, at João underscore Guilherme for the free. Um, so these are, those are my social Good. network pages. That those the ones that I use um, current uh, currently. And, and there you those. go, Cristiano. Is that Twitter handle short enough for you, dude? João GB, that's not bad. That's not bad. That's that's actually, I don't have to correct them this time, like I did with our good friend Dave and everyone else that came out of podcast. That's just fits the characters. Oh, GB, not not JB. Okay, G. No, G, 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 yeah. G, like Guillermo. Yes, Jota J- There's a there's a drink, right? J- JB, right? J- JB, yes, it's a whiskey. <laughs> that's why I said. That's why I said. <laughs> I understand the confusion. <laughs> yeah, uh, Dave, parting thoughts. Uh, I don't want to get into the Vieta shit because I was watching it on BTV and some clown wanted to question my uh, Benfiquismo because I was uh, anybody that's against Vieta is against the club and moving forward. So I don't even we'll be here for another hour and I'm sure that we can do a <laughs> podcast uh, during the off season about that those clowns running the club. But um, yeah. Two, two, two games to go and uh, the Tasa, so three all together. This uh, season's wrapping up nice and quickly and we can uh, all forget about it. Absolutely. Cristiano? Want to say goodbye uh, to everyone? Uh, até logo. Boa noite, bom dia, boa tarde. Wherever the hell you may be. Uh, thank you once again for tuning into the Refica podcast. Appreciate all the support. Appreciate the clicks. And uh, I'm looking forward to being here against, again next week. Hopefully the- uh, you know, on a brighter note, and Carrega um, Benfica. There's nothing else to say. Yeah, Benfica Podcast is one of the founding members of Benfica Independent. Don't forget to check out BenficaIndependent.com uh, for articles, podcasts. Our podcast is on there. There's also Benfica FM, uh, Brinco do Batista is on there, among other things that they're now doing, uh, or we are now doing, Riscaldos. Uh, which is recaps after the game. Uh, check those out. And uh, very good uh, opinion articles. If you like the site and the work that uh, it's being done, uh, we also have Patreon uh, with two uh, stages of support. I think one is two bucks and the other one is five bucks. And I think the five bucks gets you a couple of things, uh, just as a basic independent uh, mug, mug uh, connect and so on and so forth. Um, BifigaPodcast.com, at 10CO10, at... Uh, 87DO87 and Tiago's already mentioned his um, and that's it thank you very much next week we'll be back we'll uh, recap this average game and we'll look ahead to the last game of the season which will be against uh, Sporting uh, so that's it thanks you for checking us out take care everyone later Arrivederci.